it's very blurred where the actual starting point is, but um, initially it's curiosity and beginning to question and think about things, and then gradually, gradually over years, that forms into a piece of work, and some pieces of work go ahead and some don't, or come um, eventually in a different um, medium. Um, but I suppose the reference Joe is making is to maybe my background, which um, uh, I grew up in the south of Ireland, and I tend trying not to talk about these parts because then the work is read as autobiographical, and maybe there are aspects of it that, that comes from that. But um, I would have grown up in a minority community, and usually how that minority community gets described is being Protestant, but um, that's something that I've always objected to because my experience of that um, minority was there were so many minorities within that group, there was no dominant uh, uh, group, and it would have been made up of every kind of, uh, I guess, Christian um, religion from Baptist to Methodists to various brethren to evangelistics and, and our school would have been very tiny, there was probably 15 to 30 people in it and that would have been made up of very, very di different belief systems. And then outside of that uh, small insular uh, grouping there was the dominant culture which was um, Catholic. And I guess imagery, religious imagery, and religious sound, which would have been the Angelus, and um, that would have spelled, I suppose, um, difference and non-belonging. Um, and I think it was always problematic because of uh, the politics within Ireland. Um, so that kind of, uh, so very early on, I would have had a lot of thought and questioning around the notion of religion or belief. Um, but then I think I put that aside for a long, long time until um, I had children. And then I think um, you go back into society in a different way than you do as a, as a student or as a, an artist or as a, because you, begin to participate again in, com in the community and your child finds, you try to find a place for your child within that community. Um, I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but that's certainly the one I had. Um, yeah, we were yeah. talking about <coughs> the fact that um, because you, you know, you're thinking about your child's um, education and your, it makes you and your child's kind of morality, you start um, thinking again about um, your, your childhood and your backgrounds and, um, I don't know, I think you just look at your values again with a, with a kind of closer lens because you realise you have a responsibility in, in, in passing those things on. Yeah, and, and I, I found that you're very determined to monitor the things you say because you have a responsibility to pass on uh, knowledge and a responsibility to pass on uh, and answer their questions and the questions they ask um, come so clear and simple but there, there's the burden and the weight of what you say back to answer those questions and I think that really made me, it just stopped me in my tracks um, and a lot of 
uh, a lot of the work from that point on began to uh, question those, those, those words that I was saying. <clears throat> and when we started talking about uh, often with all of your works, um, as I was just describing it at the beginning, you, you put yourself into a situation or you, you go through a period of research in order to take responsibility for the, the preoccupation that you want to represent. So there are some really tough um, sort of human preoccupations that you've taken on your, in your work, such as ageing or breeding. Um, and in this work, you, you, you did the same. You, you started to initially do some very, very broad research. Can you tell us a bit about how you started and, and what thought processes made you interested in the idea of prayer and meditation? Yes, um, I, I think some of it was um, a certain amount of envy that um, a, um, a person could be so, um, um, yeah, have this preciousness and sense of belief and belief in this communication and um, yeah, I think that was one of the, the, the things I was really jealous of. And, um, and so then I began to look. If, if you look at the person in, involved in this, does that have an aura that you can, you can feel? And if you feel, if you film that aura, this private moment of prayer, does that translate through film? Because film is this magical um, uh, substance. And so they were the, you know, very basic, simple questions that I suppose I, sat, I set out to answer. But then the complication of pro approaching that at the time, and we're talking nine years ago, I think, or 10 years ago when we first started looking at it. So the, the political landscape and religious significance was very, very different to where we are today. And um, to be honest, there was no interest <laughs> at all. And, um, and people really questioned why I would be interested. And um, particularly, I think, within the art environment, uh, it, it was almost like a taboo subject. And um, I think we lived in a very secular uh, society and there was no reason to, to understand or to look at that notion. And also it seemed like quite outmoded and maybe um, old-fashioned. Um, so once I began with Picture This to begin to approach people, and Lucy was there at the time, <laughs> we, we did meet with a lot of um, ho um, hostility, I would mm -hmm. say, from many of the religious groups and um, Eventually, you, after a lot of meeting, a lot of teas and scones, and yes, we held some consultation events, didn't we? With where we'd invite, um, were you there as well, Grace? Where we'd invite, where we'd invite, we would, within the university context, where we'd invite people in to discuss what we wanted to do to, 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 to put you know, to, to picture these faiths and put them into, to, into the same space and what does that mean and, and, and which, um, did they know people who would be interested in doing this and 
being physically present in this way. Um, but yes, it was difficult. Yeah, it was and we really did get a lot of no's. Yes, <laughs> and, and um, when we were going, I went back over the records of who we, we approached, and it was incredible the amount of groundwork that's invisible that um, we did do and didn't succeed. And um, it, it took us a long time to get our pitch right because we were approaching it as if we were a media group. And we hadn't said we were a charity picture, this was a charity, and that it was to, uh, trying to explain in language outside the art world what we were doing. Um, and some of that was the reasons we were met with suspicion because also it was the height of reality television as well. And I think there was a sense that uh, from the communities we approached that this was like a step too far because this was a very, very individual um, communication and why would you want to um, broadcast that? Um, so we did, um, I think we, the, the, the whole business of what we were going to do with this afterwards became really important. But the people who did become involved, um, it, it was a very, very generous thing that they did. So that's probably why we have, because um, people have asked me about other religions that are not here, and um, I do have to say I have, it, this is a collection of people who did, who were prepared to come and, and do this. Do you want to say who they are, actually, for the... For the you might have to remember. We'll have to do it together. <laughs> So well, I, I think it's better to say, I don't know how significant it is, but... Um, but who the, the face, the, the not, maybe not the individuals, but just the... Well, um, um, uh, Vanessa down at the end is from the Vineyard community, and that is a, a, a neo-charismatic um, group who um, have this massive um, following from young people, maybe... 20 to 30 year olds and then Brian is from the Buddhist community and then Rabbi Burry is here from Fishponds Jewish community and then Sister Frances is from an Anglican nun from Oxford who's Angela's, Angela's sort of rep friend. slightly representing who <laughs> set up the, the first children's hospice um, in, in Europe or in the world I think yeah um, Helen and Douglas House, and um, then Jay is um, one of the leaders within the Hindu community, and then um, Parmar is from the Jan community. If I'm not pronouncing it properly, am I? Jan, Jan, Jane, Jane. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, in telling you the story, it's partly explaining how um, the work kind of gathered, gathered meanings and gathered momentum and how in learning, in, in, in going through all those difficult ne negotiations, we understood what, we tried to understand what it was that, that, that we were doing. But I, I do have to say that what really did shock me was the hostility that we, we did meet. Um, and not necessarily just to us as an art organisation, but to each other, and who would be in the same 
gallery um, and who would be on the screen, even though these screens are invisible. And I found that very interesting to understand, that in a way it's abstract, it's not the physical person. So the objection to being in the same, uh, to being alone on the same system, why would that be? I, I found that quite fascinating. Well, discouraging, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. How was that expressed? Just the question, who else would be there and why you would have those, and you must really remember that we're not, we're all, you can't say that we're all the same. And because at the time there was a lot about multicultural and multi-faith, and that was very clearly objectionable to many people, that they, they didn't want to be said that we all worship the one God. That was very, very important from, from how saying. Whereas and it does, it? They were. <laughs> well, Brian very specifically said, this isn't about a God. I, there is no God in the Buddhist religion. That's not what meditation is about. So um, then in our language of how we describe what's happening, there we've, we've had to be clear about that as well. But it, it is very fascinating because it is like layers of cultural... Um, of cultural significance and so once you start um, peeling back more and more things become revealed Can I ask that? Yes. You've said a few times uh, at the time and you were surprised the hostility and, and this took I think 10 years you were saying if you started this again now do you think it would be very different given the way the world has changed particularly in the last what, few weeks? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely, absolutely yes I know and I, I think it would. I think, first of all, the Arts Council would have a very different view to it. We, yes, we got, to, yeah. we got <laughs> the Arts Council refused the application so we didn't uh, receive funding from them. We had also some difficulties, well, subsequently you had some difficulties with curators taking it on and showing it to yeah. you. I, I think it was very, it's a very, at the time, it was a very unpopular thing to bring into the art world and I, I guess religion and art and religion and state, these are problematic areas and uh, people view them with, uh, well, because of the history, it, it's a, a difficult area and I think there was a question about why I would want to do it and whether I had a religious um, drive behind what I was doing. So. The story is what's not here. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well done, yeah. I, I yeah. think that is the with a lot of my yeah. work. You end up with an object that has carried all this burden of research or weight, and the object is never significant enough. Mm. It's the narrative that surrounds, surrounds it. And I think we, we spoke about it, the difficulty within. Um, the, of the territory within contemporary art, and, and it's really interesting to think about it in relation to art history and relate in relation to uh, this to the building and how the project means within this building. Because um, one of the things that we thought was really interesting here, in relation to Matthew's comment, is that um, we thought this was really interesting in terms of it, the building, in terms of absence, um, and trying to bring a kind of presence into this building, which is really not so often used for 
worship now is bringing bringing that um, bringing that back into the chapel and bringing um, people's um, personal convictions back into the chapel and that, that willingness to stand up for. But you see, I, the, the thing about that is that's positive and negative. Yeah. And yeah. That's, I think that's one of the things, and uh, the positive and negative about conviction. Mm. Mm. And, yeah, that's the question. Mm. And, and that uncomfortable, that uncomfortableness um, is part of the inquiry as well. Mm. Do you feel that um, you've shown the work in a number of contexts? Do you feel that in terms of, of, and that's present in a lot of your work, there's, um, you know, it's figurative and um, it's moving image. So on the surface, it's, it's easy to read and easy to kind of understand. But then there's always, a, a, you know, a slight decoy, a slight thread of doubt. How do you feel this context sort of helps or hinders that, those, that decoy? Well, it... it first got shown in the quad up in Derby and in a, in a big art um, space and I felt it just didn't, I felt it was a lead balloon and um, then it moved to Enniskinnel, Enniskinnel, on the border in Northern Ireland and that was really tough, tough place to show and um, it, it, that I found that very uncomfortable, it, it, even though it was a place um, around rebuilding uh, relations. And so for me, this is probably the most comfortable place to have shown. And what I found very interesting, and maybe Alex or somebody from the National Trust have talked to us more about it, is um, when people come, to, they come to um, see the chapel and see the, the stone and see the history of the chapel and then they, they come in and they're asked something different has been asked from them and some of the audience because I, I sat in the back and some people would come in and be quite cross that it was here and some people would pretend it's not here and then you would find maybe one person or two people sitting quiet just observing it. And for me, this has been the most, um, uh, the best place, the most real place, because it's like ordinary life. You have people who quietly withdraw from, from every day and society to, to do this special, special thing, and life goes on around. And whether they're noticed or not, they still do that. And that's what I find really interesting that personal conviction um, to, to do that. But maybe Alex, you might tell us about how you feel it's um, being received in the, by the house.
be really interesting to hear, yeah, yeah to hear uh, if other people have um, any questions or comments about the piece. I'm really really interesting and I wonder why that is. I, I, I think when it was in a gallery situation, the people who came to look were the gallery audiences and not ordinary people who would come in and I think maybe it's the audience and not the, the place. Yes, well the art audience is really sceptical as we, as we know and um, uh, yeah, so maybe it's not the contents, maybe it's the, the, the audience. I think we, we talked as well about um, preparing the ground and um, it sort of doesn't feel like a, a kind of sensational piece in here. It feels sort of quite humble and modest and the images are quite stripped down and there's nothing fancy in terms of the production values. Um, and you know you're surrounded by other religious iconography, which is quite sensational, actually. Um, you know, obviously the stained glass and the the jewels. Um, so, yeah, th there's maybe something about that. But we also tried to work really hard in terms of, you know, with the Arnold Finney show as well, in terms of that sort of m making of meanings and trying to make there be. It's really hard in a, in a historical environment often to bring, you know, which lots of people here have got experience of, of bringing contemporary art into a, to an environment where there's already loads, lots and lots of meanings. And so it's trying to make that proximity with, yeah. the, with the content and the concept. Yeah. See if that works. Okay. We did try to work with the architecture of the space as well. So Susan, who's unfortunately unwell today, who's the curator here, um, helped us think about the rude screen the idea of a reed screen and rebuilding on that, we thought carefully about the colour and even the dimensions of the screens, mirror, the, the mosaic of Christ, which is behind the, behind the screens. So I don't know, that, that, I think all of those things helped, don't they, those subtle things? Yeah, I think as well during the day when the stained glass is lit up behind and the size and the layout of the stained glass you do make that link between film, which has got the same magic of, of translating light. Um, so all of those things do contribute to it. What's your... Um, what are the reasons behind your choice of sound? Because not all the screens have sound. Some That's of them... True, yeah. there, there's birdsong, which I assume is the Anglican... Uh, yes. But then the actual praying... You know, there will be words for the others, but you've only chosen a couple to, to express that. On that one. Well, I, again, I think we were led. It's incredible how silent people are when, when the work went. So there was, there was only David 
who I forgot to, yeah, David, who's from the evangelistic uh, group, and Rabbi, who, who um, there's sound. So on, in this occasion, we've had to put the sound on the same line because we have, otherwise the sound then would dominate everybody else. So we've had to balance the two with sound. And the rest, there, there was no sound, only the, uh, the outside the cars going by or, or birds or something like that. So really it's led instinctively by what's given. Yeah. And, and we did, the first time I showed it, the sound was very loud and what happened was the words from the prayer, um, people somehow read that across all of them. So we had to try to, to balance that. Mm -hmm. So it, it came from the person sign came from the person. Can I, I only have to be here, so I had these contact me, you know, how I was involved. Yes, because we Would you tell, would you mind sharing it with everybody a little bit? <laughs> how? Well, I, was, I can't remember how I was involved. You know, <laughs> when I saw the picture of Francis, I realised that, because yeah. I know Francis really well. Yes, and we, when we... Um, and I thought maybe it was Rabbi Perry, was he my recommendation? <laughs> Did you find him yourself? Um, I can't remember how we, we um, came to you, Rabbi Perry. I'm not sure. Mm. I think maybe no, Lucy. I was contacted to ask if you could film in the synagogue, but we have security concerns in the synagogue, and people wouldn't have liked to be to be filmed on a Shabbat morning in the service, because Jewish worship is always communal, congregational. But, uh, but we pray the morning service at home anyway. So I said, well, you can come and film me at home. And that's where you came and filmed me at yes, home. Yes, really early, if I remember. It was very early, yeah. Yeah, as we always pray the morning service as soon as we are. Before breakfast. Yes, before breakfast. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, the prayers that you I mean, we chose, I mean, there are silent prayers, but there were kind of different prayers. I mean, was there a, did you think about kind of prayers people would say? You left it to them completely. I, I, I was totally led by them. I, had a, I started off with a very particular notion in my head of silent, um, you know, I suppose like Brian, but then I realised, and I had this idea, almost like icons from art images from... Giotto and from being in the British school at Rome, looking at all the religious um, icons, Russian icons. And so I had this idea of very sad, but nobody did <laughs> what I wanted them to do. So I had to change. And then that every time we, we went, we had to negotiate the camera, not the person. We, the camera had to be negotiated. And be within a, a sense of aesthetics, but also, so we took two shots and two angles. And but Rabbi, I think it was just one. No, no, I think we might have had two. Yeah, I think we, we set up a system and we stuck to that. And then if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, we, we still used it to be true to what we were filming. Yeah. Yeah. I just, this Francis, yes. the, the idea of the faith thing, she started life as a, a nurse at Great Wall Street with children. And then she, um, she was part of an Anglican order. 
And then she she actually had a kind of revelation. I mean, no, she wasn't living that. I think she was a nurse. And then she had a calling to go into the, to leave her profession and to become a nun, an African nun, which is interesting. And then she brought her paediatrics into into her life. So now she, and then she started the hospice. Which people respite, so yeah. But she had a real calling, and she's so strong. I would have thought she would be saying, I kept watching her mouth as she goes to sort of um, speak, mumble something, but she seems she's a very silent prayer person. Yes, to watch how people pray, isn't it? Yes, and one of the writers, um, Shirley McWilliam, who I, I work with a lot, she when she wrote about it, she said, um what you notice is you're going why why isn't this person praying why are and this was her response to sister Frances and then she said it's you realize they're listening and it's somebody listening rather than uh, going that way yeah and, and um, she also likened it to the senses of viewer when you look that it's like somebody on the telephone and you want their attention, but they're absorbed. And there's that, as a viewer, that you have that sense of you're removed from, from them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's really interesting. Yeah. Because it is quite frustrating as an art audience to go in and have to watch and um, some, some are 20 minutes, some are 40 minutes, so we've had to sync all of them by the longest one. And, and that is a big ask from an art audience. I think a, a church audience are prepared to sit down and maybe be a bit bored, but <laughs> an art audience don't really like being bored. <laughs> So you're filming and you're kind of excluded from the present. You are excluded, and I, I think that's the, the, um, the interesting thing that makes the itch in the work, that you're being set up to look, because film is about looking and absorbing, but you're detached, you're, you, the, the participants are detached from you, so you're not given what you expect. Mm -hmm. And I, that's the... That's always the thing that I find really fascinating me. And being around people who were praying and I would not, I'd be looking, and that strange sense of being surrounded by people who are completely absorbed, maybe even, well, totally silent, and you're not, you're watching. And, and that's a very strong memory that I would have. Yes, I, 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 this is one that I find really itchy, and, <laughs> um, yeah, and I suppose I, I really wanted to find somebody young, and why somebody young would have such a conviction, and um, I, I did find somebody young, and. Uh, the innocence of that and the questions that I threw up for me because do you go um, with your own doubt and you see somebody so young so undoubting and also um, that particular 
church or group is very, very particular. And I've really had to grapple a lot with that one. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Um, I think you said that you found it difficult in some of the other settings that you use. Yes. Um, but I want to explore that because um, earlier you said that you, you decided to do this because of some impetus that, that grew out of your need to think carefully about how you talk with children. So w when this developed and you, you had this and you wanted to show it in various places and you found it difficult, why was it difficult? Was it difficult because you were clear about what you were doing with it? Because I'm, I'm not sure that I understand exactly what you were doing this for, apart from to, to help it clarify your own attitude towards matters of faith. Or is it to to do that for other people, to help other people who come to do that? Or is it just, I don't know, for the aesthetic? What, what, what is the function of the aesthetic for you? Then? How does it work? Uh, very good questions, because I don't know. Right. I think it's, I think when you're asked by a little child, questions like, what's God? Do you believe, what is God? Why did, uh, how do you answer that when, if you doubt yourself? So, uh, how do you do it without being bigoted, without bringing the weight of your own thing? And how do you give, I, 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 yeah, I always passed it back to them. And I, I would say, well, what do you think? This is what people think. This is trying to be as diplomatic or as wide. So you don't reduce their, their question in the world. And I think that's my question in the world. Is, and the, all the question I think anybody has is, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? If this is a good thing, which clearly you can see some of the, the good things, and you see this communication, and I'm jealous of that, and maybe envious of it. And then if that is, why is it some of the things that send out so difficult and so problematic? Um, yeah, they're the kind of... The so to clarify, this is just part of your quest in understanding that you've just presented to other people as for them to think about. This is what I've found that other people do. Yeah. Is that... That yeah, that's probably. I think that probably is what a lot of the a lot of the work comes from those questions, and the, in the end, it's they are questions. And visually, I do use things that are very seductive visually because that draws. I know how visuals work because I've been trained in the aesthetics of it. So the language you use. I, I, um, yeah, you use that language because you're skilled in that language. And then you present the question and the pain of that question, whether you present that then to somebody else. With me. But it seems that, that I get the feeling of it is, uh, it's kind of a contradiction mm. here because um, there's a religious space, but it's a dead space. Mm. It's rich, it's beautiful. Columns, lovely grain of rock, lovely carvings of the stone, fantastic stained glass, 
but he's dead. And now, these people, the pictures, the living people, they're all working within themselves. All the beauty of the artwork, which is outside, is dead, but these people are all alive, but they're all working within themselves, so there's a kind of cl contrast here. Mm, it's very it's really interesting, yeah. Mm. Mm. Very, very early on, I advocated to talk to me, I was involved in the time in the of education. That's right, yeah. Um, and we talked about what you were trying to achieve in the process. I remember that one of the things that we talked about is not only the relationship between the object and the subject, between the viewer and the viewer view, but also between the exterior and the interior. And it's interesting to hear Rabbi Barry just use that word. Because I think one of the things that for me, and it's the first time that I've actually seen the installation, I, I think it captures the interiority of that very well, very well indeed. So you're invited not just to be the objective viewer, but actually to see from your standpoint the interiority of the prayer. Mm, that's very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's obviously something very deep going on for all of these people. And that's, that's not what we usually look at, is it? We don't usually look and think what's going on inside these people's soul because these there's something clearly going on deep in the soul, setting the tone of the soul. It speaks to me of, of integrity and sincerity mm. and loyalty, um, quite deep within. There's normally when we look at people who see the surface. So it's, it's a very, I mean, I find it very impressive. when you were saying about the difficulties you had putting together, that people didn't want to feel that they were the same, yet you're finding a common thread between them all. And so yes. it kind of goes against what some of the fears were. I'm looking for the common thread, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I've had a little face made at me, <laughs> um, which... I think means that we would, we've got this wonderful opportunity of being in this house, just us, um, and we do have this other series of work downstairs. I think it would be a great shame if you didn't see. So um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that and to have a drink, um, but we can certainly carry on all the conversations as, as we, we, we move around, perhaps in more intimate groups. Thank you so much for coming and for contributing.